This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, we are recording in a brand new studio in one of our city's many underutilized office spaces. So me and producer Paul Caroli are digging into the surprisingly complex and hilarious world of commercial real estate and the future of downtown. Plus, we've got our newsletter editor, Peyton Garcia, to share some weekend events. One of our favorite guests is in the mix to help us make sense of the mayor's race and all of the other local stories that mattered this week. Today is Friday, May 19th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city where people are traveling from across the country to go to a little Mexican restaurant in a strip mall that hasn't even opened yet. <laughs> Paul? I felt so bad for those people this week. You felt bad for them? Yes. Joanne, did you hear about this? I think I know what you're talking about, okay. but explain. Okay. CBS4 reported that uh, folks were coming from as far as Kentucky and New York City hoping Casa Bonita would open while they were here. Because as we've talked about many times on the show, we've only been told it will open sometime in May. We're getting towards the end of, I mean, I mean, let's be realistic. We're about halfway through May. I think these folks jumped the gun a little bit, um, but they were came here hoping it would be open. Well, they came, they're New Yorkers, so they heard there was a good Mexican restaurant. This is true. <laughs> I will say, living in New York City, I could get any kind of food I ever wanted except Colorado Mexican food. Yeah. I well, came home and was like, oh, this is my food. I get it. Okay. Uh -huh. Well, I wonder if some of them are former um, military who, as children, experienced Casa Bonita, because that's the case in my family. I, no way. Yeah. I had a niece. Uh, my brother was stationed in Colorado Springs and his three girls on Every few weekends, they would come up to Casa Bonita. So when my niece, who is now in her 50s, came to town a couple of years back, she wanted to go to Casa Bonita, and that's how I got to go to Casa Bonita. And she was raving about oh, it, but she hadn't been I in 30 that. years. And, and so, and she was like, wow, nothing has changed. Uh, yeah, and, <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is where we're eating? <laughs> yeah, the secret the secret used to be you don't actually, you eat before you go. I used to recommend, oh. there was this really amazing Italian restaurant on West Colfax called uh, Dino's. And I would recommend you go there first. Oh. oh, it was so good. You know, the like gingham tablecloth, breads, you know. Reopen Dino's next oh. South Park, guys. You know what? They they demolished it and oh. built a gas station. Okay. Well. But isn't the food supposed to be better it's, this yes. story? Yeah. Yes. We yeah. talked to Loca Dana Rodriguez, the chef, who said uh, 
they were they had dug up the old recipes and were going to make them, but with better, fresher, higher quality ingredients. So oh, good, good. The next time you go, Joanne, it will probably be better. But I uh, I would have to say the people they interviewed, I don't think that was the case mm. that they were military folks. Uh, they're South Park fans, so uh, there was a little bit of grumbling on my Twitter. My old Denver friends were like, wait a minute. Are South Park people going to ruin this for us? Like, are we not going to be able like to get South in Park, line? I think the South Park people are part of it. Yeah, I feel no, like I they're agree. part of the whole thing. I mean, this isn't, we, don't be grumbling about those people online. I, I'm, this I, is the but, thing okay, for everybody. So the this is that, exciting. It's a cultural moment. It's, I said that. Peyton's shaking her head. I totally disagree. I think this is a thing we should be celebrating. Everyone gets swept up in it. This is fun for everyone, even New Yorkers. I agree. I think the argument here, though, is how long are we going to have to wait? And do we have to wait behind the people that found out about it because of South Park? Or do we get to be first in line because maybe I had my 8th, 12th, 21st, and 35th birthday parties there? Well, Bree, <laughs> I'm feeling like you should be inclusive. <laughs> It's fair. It's fair. Well, okay. Well, you've already heard their voices. Uh, I'm I'm hosting today, Bree Davies. Usually, this is Paul's job, but I've got Paul Caroli, our producer here. Hey, Bree. And our returning guest, one of our absolute favorites, Joanne Allen. Hey, y'all. Uh, well, so <sighs> we, we have can, weird we... energy in the room today, and I like it. I, I know <laughs> well, it's it, it be a could, fun one. It yeah. could be because of the new surroundings. We are in a new place. Oh my gosh, you guys, good point. It's Friday. We are not at Westward. We we said goodbye to our Westward offices. We love Patty and Molly and Cindy, everybody over there. We are still uh, very tight with our friends at Westward, but they needed the space. They're yeah. growing. They needed the room they gave us. Uh, they offered us a dank basement. I was like, is Patty going to murder us down here? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I kind of like that basement. The basement was dank. At least they offered it. They really tried. But at any rate, we had to find some new accommodations. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, we are recording in beautiful downtown Denver at the 5280 offices. So uh, Lindsay King, who we had on our show a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. uh, one of the editors, we worked with her and she hooked us up with this really awesome space. And so far, it's it's pretty cool to be in a new part of the city. Do you guys, What do you guys think? Uh, it, I love it. Oh, Joanne, please. Well, I'm. I, it's a different vibe, I have to admit. And it, and it, it's, it is different. I, I, it's nice to feel refreshed and renewed. Sure. And so I, I think this is going to work out, actually. A little bit of... Yeah. Spring, late spring renewal. Yeah. I'm all about that feeling right now. That I feel like there's some something new happening in the city right now with the moths coming back, the blooms in the gardens, a, a new, new mayor. mayor, a new office space. This is I, I'm I'm very excited about all these things right now. Yeah, Me it's too. Re it's renewal time. Yeah. So we will miss our regular time at Westward. Loved being there, but I'm excited to get to know the fifty two eighty folks better. It's kind of cool that we've been supported so much by our fellow media folks. I really love this. So I'm looking forward to it. But it's really interesting because we are in this office space in downtown, which is what we're going to talk about today, mm -hmm. which is office vacancy. So there were a couple of stories from the Denver Post this week. One was that retail spaces are doing great. Those are actually pretty full, especially downtown. But office space is another story. Um, the Denver Post says that office vacancy is at 28%, which is almost a third. That's a lot if you think about a downtown area like Denver. Um, Joanne, Paul, have either of you 
been office drones? Have you worked in a downtown office? I worked in a downtown Denver office space for about three months because uh, CPR moved from the newsroom from Centennial up to um, 17th Avenue. And about three months later in February of 2020, we all went remote. So I, but I do know what the bustling office spaces were like because I've been in several buildings and so forth. And now when I go into buildings, it's like dead city everywhere. Every building I go into I don't know which buildings are actually operational now. Yeah, there is that question of like, is anything happening here? Mm -hmm. Paul, what about you? My answer is yes. I have been an office drone, but not like a traditional cubicle office, more like a series of co-working spaces, all very hip and very new in their own way. Um, And as I was thinking about this, you know, I read the article from the Denver Post. I, I had this experience where... One of the things people are talking about with these downtown offices is converting them into housing because that's what we need as a city. Like everyone right. knows that we have this huge deficit. I worked in a co-working space that had been converted from housing <laughs> in an old oil oh. building <laughs> yeah. on the 16th Street Mall. Do you know the petroleum building at the very tip right next to the park? It's it's like 1601. It's like right at the end. And it was owned by this oil man built in the 80s. He gave the top two floors to his son, which was the penthouse suite, and he converted it into a co-working space. That is so funny. Isn't that hilarious? Interesting, yeah. And now we're talking about moving them back. Yeah. Can you retrofit or like retro retrofit? This is maybe, but this is maybe the tale of a city, right? Mm -hmm. The changing. I was talking to Paul about this. I worked in an office, but it was on Colfax, and um, it was a not traditional office by any means. It was not catering to young, hip people at all. Um, and I actually just loved being on Colfax and watching from my window every Wait, day. Wait, what block of Colfax? Uh, Marion and Colfax. So I, I worked above the Irish Snug. Oh, that would have um, been great. Great it location. Was the best, honestly. Mm. But mm. the. Paul's Liquors is right over there. So if you want to talk about like fun entertainment, great stuff happening all day long at Paul's Liquors. But but I was just thinking about like downtown has always been about offices to me. Growing up here, my Mm. aunt Erin worked in an office. She was the one person in my family that worked in an office. And that's the person I went to visit in her office in downtown Denver. So it is interesting to think there have to, we really are shifting maybe away from that, right? I mean, 28% vacancy says we got to do something else. Well, as a non-Denver native like you, Brie, I don't think of Denver as an office space city. Really? I, no, I, I, see, I see much more of a suburban neighborhoody kind mm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it could also be because I've lived in larger cities where there were lots and lots of office buildings to the point of where you didn't get sunlight, you know, on the street. So, so I think of I think of that as as an office driven kind of place. But I can see the mountains, you know, I mean, a lot of the time I, it just doesn't it feels more low level. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Low level to me. So we're, we're talking about these spaces downtown um, that I think a lot of them are not that hip office thing we think about when we think about yeah. an office these days, right? Um, but also uh, vacancies are even higher 
in the area people call Rhino. So office spaces were mm. happening down there. Those are equally empty. Um, earlier this week, Paul and I went and visited an office of a, a newer retailer here in Colorado, and they had put in all the bells and whistles. It was like right before the pandemic, they moved into this space. They have these beautiful phone cubicles, the the upholstery. I mean, just everything was gorgeous. The light fixtures, it was fun. You, you could see why people wanted to be there. And the CEO we talked to was like, and then the pandemic happened and yeah. no one wants to be here. And so you can offer this amazing neighborhood even. You can have all these amenities and it's still not translating to that. So I don't know. Well, I have to admit, I like the feel for those three months of being downtown because we were in the burbs in Centennial. And I just, it was nice to be able to pick up food because I walk, you know, yeah. pick up mm-hmm. food on my way to or go out or, you know, grab something quick or just be in the hustle and bustle How of downtown. Yeah, I, yeah, s- I yeah. miss it so much. I miss it so, so much. That exact thing that like, oh, it's the end of the day. Let's just go next door, grab a beer. You know, get to know your coworkers. That's how I make. That's how I've met a lot exactly of my friends. We, it's like how I know people. It's yeah. exactly what we did here last week when we were checking out the fifty two eighty offices, and then we went with Lindsay and Jeff from fifty two eighty. They were like, "Oh, let's just go around the corner to Oscar Blues." I had never been in that bar before, and it was cool. Then we could sit, have a drink, like you're saying, and like that's just not possible when you're working, like you, you know, Joanne, like you said, uh, in the burbs. Also, I mean, I, I like the people watching aspect. Oh, I love. You it. know, you just oh, see all kinds of different time. folks. And it's just fun to interact with someone next to you at a table, you know, <laughs> that you're sitting out at a cafe. And um, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. There's an energy but this that's is, lacking. I, I think it's more than even energy. I think it's a valuable resource, in, especially in our industry where like meeting mm, people, yes. knowing people, learning yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. that's yeah. the whole thing. If you can do that well, you will succeed. Yeah. And if you don't have access to people, you're you're just missing a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crucial for us. Well, the question is, what do we do now? I guess that has changed. I think there's a lot of elements here. We're talking about uh, the social aspect, like you're saying, Paul, that uh, people call it networking, but it's always so much more than that. It's the human connection. But um, we have empty space in a city that needs a different kind of space. This had me thinking about the use of uh, old uh, post-industrial age warehouses becoming vacant and then artists moving in and then those being eventually retrofitted into now office buildings and housing and stuff. So my theory is why don't we let artists have this space for a while, see what they do with it. And um, I mean, artist housing would be my ideal, but artists tend to create wherever they are. And uh See if they could make some magic happen downtown. Make that make that missing thing that we keep talking hmm. about downtown is missing. Maybe artists can bring it. But the conversion, from what I understand from the article that we all read, um, can only happen in buildings prior to the, the 1980s because buildings after, like when there was the boom in the 80s and onward, those buildings apparently are not really designed for people to live in it. They would have to be retrofitted to the point of it would become super expensive. Right. It's a lot of, I mean, plumbing, I think is the thing I think about, right? We have an office Mm -hmm. floor. We've got the central plumbing for the bathroom. Well, I don't know. Maybe we turn some of these into sort of boarding style communal spaces where we just build off of that plumbing and there's a bigger, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's ways we could do this that aren't as expensive, but it would require folks to live a different way. Yeah. 
communal living ain't for me. I don't I, know about y'all. I've, but, I've lived communally and I loved it. But. Yeah, but that was when. I mean, I lived communally for eight years in okay. my thirties. I think it yeah. suits some people. I think it's yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay. I guess I'm I'm just kind of feeling like the older generation at this table, and just I don't I can't think of too many people my age who'd be into that. But then again. But what the, about the, people we're not, that want to be social or they want to be around young people? And like, we don't have a lot of spaces where our generations intersect as much I think anymore. they would be cool with that so long as they had their own nice yeah. apartment separate oh. from the communal living thing. No, I think a building with different ages and different types and of folks and stuff, kids and elderly and whatever, it's great. But can we convert any of these high-rise office spaces into that? Hmm. I don't yeah. want to be does pessimistic. It, it I really sense? don't. Well, he, I, let me be optimistic. Here's, okay. here's my take on this. The way forward, adapt or die. We this is this is what is happening in the world. This is how work works right now. People's yeah. jobs are changing. You're living in different places. They don't want to go down to the office anymore. You can't fight that. So we have to do something else with these spaces. Also, office culture is not that old. You know what I mean? It's a couple decades old. Yeah. A it could major shift in how we work would make sense to me. I mean, I'm super optimistic in that if we can think bigger and uh, beyond like, oh, why can't we can't adaptively reuse this in a in a really cost efficient way? How could we do that? How do we introduce green? You know, how do we make these green spaces? How do we? I don't know. I guess I am. I, I guess I am a little bit jaded in the good way that I lived communally and I really enjoyed it. Well, I, th- I, would, I think I, for, I would just I would recommend it. I would just say, <laughs> I, I I hear you, girl. But I, I I'm and again I feel like I'm playing the part of Paul <laughs> today <laughs> because I when I think when you when you said the term cost effective, a lot of these office buildings are owned by people who deal in money. Oh right. And That's so fair. they are not looking for any kumbaya moments among Denverites. Oh, totally. They're not trying to they're, fix the greater And the banks and everyone, the yeah, they're trying to figure out how can they not lose their shirts. Mm-hmm. And that's the really big question here is how do you retrofit some of these glittering, gleaming, glassy office buildings that have no one in them into condos, into places where people will want to live? I mean, I don't no, know. I mean, it is actually a big problem or potentially a big problem because commercial real estate is a huge tax base for the city. Yeah. And if people aren't using it, if it's not valuable anymore, that's just like money that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So we have to figure out some way to get that back if we still want to be able to keep up the same level of services. And the foreclosures that could happen. Um, a lot of banks don't want to take, according to the article we read, a lot of banks don't want to take back commercial property. Yeah. That's that's not something that they want in their portfolio. So maybe there is a space for there to be some negotiating among the people who are determining the fate of these buildings, you know. I definitely would like for the downtown community people to be involved in some of these discussions, you know, so that it doesn't become just the powerful making decisions solely. Um, hopefully we'll have a mayor who also sees it that way. Hey, we'll talk about that more in a little. Yes. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm also just thinking about the romantic narrative around New York City in the 70s, this total decay. And, you know, the city was not providing services to people. So in some areas of New York, artists moved in and 
and did what they could do. And that's how we got the Basquiat's and the Keith Herring's and the Sonic Youth's and the, you know, of the world. And um, I, I would say, though, that the artist didn't get the end benefit of that by any means. It's just, could we think about doing something like that and saying some of this has to be a loss for you? I don't know. I just, don't, yeah. I don't have a lot of sympathy for folks that sit on real estate. So we have an em we have empty space. We have people that need space. We have a city that has some spots that could really use some human energy. What if we thought differently about some of that space? I don't know. I, I think that's a beautiful dream, but it's not going to happen unless it's someone true. can make money on it. Yeah. It's true. Which they might be able to do if, and I pitched this idea to Brie earlier in the week. It seemed like she hated it. Joanne, I want to see if you like it. We turn some of these downtown office buildings into, or maybe just one of them. I don't know. Actually, maybe I shouldn't say this. This is too big of a moneymaker. <laughs> you know the show The Office that people love and like continues to make real? Yeah. Everyone watches it all the time. An immersive The Office experience in an old office building for people who now work at home and want to go back and visit that the, has the to already exist. How do we not their... have an immersive office experience? We've had immersive friends. I know. Don't you think people would go? Uh, we are three people talking about yeah so clearly not i'm not an office fan so i'm not I a don't. huge office fan but i'm thinking you'll have to bring in pam and a few of the other characters yeah, in order pam. to make it happen who, who are some of the characters on that show dwight this conversation is hurting my soul Peyton, Peyton, come on tell us the Peyton, characters come on tell Peyton, us the characters wait a minute Peyton. This conversation Peyton's, is hurting your soul. Well, yeah, you guys, you guys are Peyton's an butchering, office. butchering the office fans everywhere are gonna. We hate need this. you. We need you. Tell us, Pam, Dwight, Jim. Come on, guys. Jim, I yeah, I remember Jim. Jim and Pam were together, will do right? It. Yeah, yeah. People will do it. You go down. People hey. would do it. I, I wouldn't want to see it. Maybe there's like a prank. Maybe there's like a funny prank you discover that they thought of just for this immersive space. Someone did a prank. There's a jello with a, a stapler oh, in it. That's oh, part of Paul. it. So you're against the idea? I don't know. I, it's just it's just because I'm a crotchety old man who <laughs> is not that into immersive experiences. So I don't want them to ruin everything that the office is. But people would do it. Oh the, yeah. The, 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 people, yeah. the millennials out there that aren't crotchety old men like me, they would, uh, they would enjoy it. <laughs> We solved the office problem. You're welcome. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, something else. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. And we're back. We are going to discuss <laughs> what's become a favorite topic here, the mayor's race. Before we get into that, um, Paul, I think that we just want to make a note to our our beloved listeners about something that happened with an episode that we put out yesterday. 
Yeah. So listeners, this is, um, we made a mistake. We made a mistake in the episode, which featured our interview with Mike Johnston, who's running against Kelly Bruff for mayor. And specifically what that mistake was, was in the first version that we published yesterday morning, there was a small piece of his first answer where he was talking about the election results that we removed. And this is a part where he was talking about how proud he was of the diverse group of voters that came behind him. And we removed this part and it made it seem like he was only interested in the older white people that voted for him. Or it might have made it seem that way to some people. I mean, obviously, like it's spoken words, so people are going to understand things in different ways. But we shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have done that. We've reinstated that. We added a correction to the show yesterday. And we've told the Johnson campaign about all of this. And like, we're human beings. We made a mistake. This was not an editorial decision by any means. Sometimes when we edit things, um, we edit for clarity on these interviews. And sometimes we're taking things out where someone has been speaking about something for a long time and we just clean it up. And we, we never want to edit for voice um, or what someone is trying to say. So um, I'm sorry that that happened, but we just wanted to be transparent with you all because we value that you listen to this show. And we know that you know that it matters. Absolutely. And it yeah, does and then matter. it matters in the long term for this conversation that's really important. There's a reason we've been talking about uh, the mayor's race for the last six months. It's going to determine a lot of things about the city, and we want to make sure that you have the most information possible about the candidates you'll be making decisions on. And we want you to be able to make that decision for yourself. Well, now that that's out of the way, let's talk about the runoff. Uh, <laughs> We've had Kelly Ruff on. We've had Mike Johnston on for a second time. Um, I should note it too. We are hosting a debate uh, next week, the Hot Ones debate, where we will be uh, watching <laughs> Mike Johnston and Kelly Ruff eat hot, progressively hotter and hotter oh hot wings while I ask them God. really uh, in-depth questions uh, <laughs> that our partners on this event have put forth to them. We are working with uh, Calor Latina. We're working with Cobalt, uh, New Era Colorado, and One Colorado. Um, so <laughs> we'll be talking even more about this. But in the meantime, we've had these these uh, the second round of interviews. Paul, Joanne, are you feeling any differently? Feeling anything? What are you thinking? I am loving the fact that your debate is going to have them getting more and more uncomfortable <laughs> with the food that they're eating because they're going to be getting this hot. Our partners. So idea. get your it. really uncomfortable questions yes. towards the end. Just to really, you know, set the their feet stuff. on fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, of course, CityCast Denver is going to be involved in something different and new. This is not going to be your father's debate. <laughs> oh, when we saw it, we were like, this is perfect. Thanks yeah. for yeah. asking us to work with you because yeah. we love to do, and we love politics. And we know that you all love to hear us talk about politics, yeah. too. Paul, what are, you, what are you thinking now that we've done these, these second round of interviews? Well, I thought the interviews were fascinating, really interesting experience to talk to both of those two again. I learned a lot about them. I mean, I was talking to Peyton about this earlier. She had just finished listening to the one with um, with Bruff. And we agreed. The problem we were having with these two candidates where they seemed too similar, not an issue for me whatsoever really? after hearing these two interviews. Really? I, they, they just comport themselves so differently to me. Like maybe some of their policies are similar, but the way they would approach the office and the like the retail politics aspect of being mayor, I feel a very different vibe from these two candidates. I agree with you, Paul. I when there were when there was the cast of thousands running, yeah. you couldn't really get your arms around any 
bodies what they were really thinking. And uh, Mike Johnston was far down on my list of people that I wanted of the 17 who were running. Mm -hmm. But since it is now between Johnston and Bruff, I get to really compare them, the two of them. And I feel that uh, either one would be fine, Mm -hmm. would be fine. Hmm. I think Johnston would be better in that I like the fact that he has plans that he states and explains so that whatever he thinks about Park Hill, you can go to his website, you can figure it out, or uh, downtown housing or how to deal with homelessness. He has a plan, and it feels like, even though I would love to have a female mayor, Kelly deals a lot with platitudes and sayings, and I don't really get to the meat of what will you actually do. Mm -hmm. What is your plan? Can I ask you about the woman thing? Because this came up this week uh, in several ways. But how much does that factor in for you as a voter, Joanne? I think it factored in zero now. Okay. Um, if, If she were, in my view, as strong as him, in terms of answering the questions that I had and policies Mm -hmm. and and, and a little bit more transparency, um, I would definitely be for her. The woman thing would, you know, would make me go in her corner. But I just don't feel that I know what she's going to do. With Johnston, if he doesn't do what he has spelled out he's going to do. There's accountability. Yes. Hold his feet to the fire. Give him some really hot wings, you know, after he becomes mayor. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my take Hmm. right now. The one other thing that kind of distinguishes the two for me right now is that this is something I also haven't heard people talking about, but Kelly Bruff as evidenced by her snowplow ad, which we got the real story of, and it actually yeah. does sound like it backs up what the ad was about, it does seem like she's listening. Like she would want to hear a complaint that doesn't necessarily fit with her narrative. Like I believe that she learned that from working from Hickenlooper. I think that she's seen that work. And that's what she did with the business community when she was the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce. Her job was to field complaints and reach compromise. Whereas with Mike, you know, Hearing how he approaches his blind spots in that interview was so much more analytical and like he would go person to person, expert to expert. Whereas like for me, you know, as a voter, I'm hearing that and I'm thinking, I don't know if I could get in a word edgewise. You know, I'm not an expert. I don't know. I don't know if I could make my voice heard. You don't know if he'd be listening to you as a voter. Yeah. At least I haven't gotten as strong as an impression from him as I have from Kelly on that one specific thing. Interesting. Hmm. That that is, hmm. I I'm trying to comment on it, but I don't have any comment for it. <laughs> but I I think another reason why I I think Johnston would make a better mayor is that two people that I respect who were of the cast of seventeen thousand people, Lisa Calderon and Ian Tafoya, endorsed him. Endorsed him, and that to me was like okay, that kind of put me over the top in terms of who would I vote for. So do endorsements matter to you guys? Uh, to me personally, not really. I mean, it depends on the person. That's what that's what an endorsement is. If I have a positive association with someone doing the sure. endorsing, I'll yeah. be like, yeah, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll listen to you. But I did an interesting thing with those endorsements this week. I added up all of the vote totals from the mayor, former mayoral candidates, how many votes they won, and added those to the candidates who they've since endorsed. And and based on the the vote totals from the first round, including Bruff and Johnston's, I think Johnston's going to win. I think Johnston's mm. going to win based on that math. He's got like 
projected 80,000 votes. She's got maybe 40. And if, the, and if we don't see a greater turnout for the runoff, which I don't think we will, I think <laughs> Can we he's talk gonna... about those numbers sure, really quick, sure. Paul? Yeah. Because on Tuesday I was like, oh, 20,000 people are going to vote in the runoff, like nobody. And then mm-hmm. Paul, you pulled the you pulled the totals. Yeah, I pulled from the from, last from four runoff. years ago, and it was like a difference of 10,000. 10,000 fewer people voted last time, so really negligible. But like, what was the overall? Four hundred thousand, like four hundred eighteen thousand people voted in the first round, and then four hundred nine okay. in the runoff. So just, wow. almost the same. I just want to put that out there for for folks listening to be like, Bree was way off. <laughs> <laughs> it, happens. it happens. The endorsement thing is interesting because I have to say again, working on that cam the campaign um, when that runoff happened between Jamie Gillis and uh, and Mayor Hancock, um, I, I think that Kinlan was asked about endorsing or backing one of the candidates. Your friend, Kaylin Heffernan, who was also, who was rolling for mayor at the time. Yeah, yeah, and um, did not make the runoff. But I don't believe that we did do that because it's really hard to, I understand why, right? It's like, well, I've got this, I've got a base of voters that voted for me and they may be looking for guidance now from me as their their one-time dream candidate who would I vote for? So they have a better idea of like who might represent their values to the best of that possibility. So I don't know. But uh, Leslie Harrod also backed yes. Mike Johnston, someone yeah. else I respect. Yeah. Um, uh, Johnston also had the support of labor organization, labor union organizations, which is huge to me. Yeah. Um, Kelly had support from the police union, which can go either way for some folks. For me, that's not a plus. That's a minus. Yeah. For some folks, that's a plus. So I I don't know. It is interesting. I'm not sure if that will weigh in, though, for me, ultimately. The other thing about the endorsements is you really, you kind of got to be skeptical about them because you don't know what deals are happening right. or who's what just trying to like Well, of favor course there and, were deals. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, come on. We But we did ask Kelly Bruff because she, she got the endorsement of Kwame Spearman, who was the one person who dropped out of the race. That's true. We and asked we her, ask are you going to endorse his run for the school board, which he recently announced? And she said no. Or she's not ready no, to No, she endorse. said she hadn't talked to him about education. So, right. And I think that was fair. She, she hadn't talked to him about education. You're not just going to jump out and support somebody. But, but I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm not high on endorsements. I, I really just back to back. The interviews I've heard at various places, including here, um, of the two of them talking. And I just I just felt like I understand what Mike will do. Mm. More so than I understand what Kelly would do. There might there might not be a dime's worth of difference between the two, but you know. See. But I but I'm hearing him say what he'll do, and I'm hearing her say that she would still like to make the city better. Essentially, you know. Anyway, go back and listen to those interviews for yourself. Make up your own mind and let us know what you think. I, I would love to know what yeah. people are thinking about the mayor's race you, right now. How are, are there, you approaching it? Are there things we're not seeing? Are we not talking about that are important that we should be? And how in-depth did you get with what the, the candidates are offering? You know, go to their websites, compare, tell us what you think. You know, is there a comparison? And let us know. Text us or leave us a voicemail. Our phone number, the Mayoral Madness Hotline, it's open at 720-500-5418. Again, that is 720-500-5418. I just want to make a note, too, that is also the cost of the hot tips hotline. <laughs> oh, this is both. <laughs> We're taking those any day, all day as well. Yeah. Mayoral madness. That's what you guys are going to get with the next debate. Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) Well, we're going to take one more break. And when we're back, 
stuff to do this weekend and uh, our CityCast Denver official maybe recommendation is in maybe you will see us there. What's up, weather fam? Rain or shine, I'm Andy Stein. Let's talk weather. I've got one minute and we have a lot to talk about. So this month alone, we've seen over five inches of rain in Denver. Annually, we see 14 to 15 inches of rain add up. So that means that we've seen over 30% of our annual precipitation just this month alone. That is impressive. And this has really helped our drought conditions out so much. There's basically no drought in Colorado. And with the additional rains coming, we could likely see no drought in Colorado for the first time in several years, which is a big deal. Statewide snowpack as of mid-May sitting above 130% of normal and the longer the snowpack sticks around the less impacts for fryer season we will see so great news there temperatures are going to be in the 70s this weekend with afternoon storms that could continue into next week as well overall this wet time is really awesome and really good for us so enjoy it It's time for this CityCast Denver official, maybe for your weekend. Our newsletter editor, Peyton Garcia, is here with her best picks. She's going to round up four options for us, and we're going to make a decision. Peyton, hi. Hey. Hey, Peyton. Hello. Hey, Peyton. Peyton. I love having you here. What's going on, sister girl? What's happening? (laughs) Oh, not much. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just hanging out. Just hanging out. Okay. Okay. So I have... Paul got tired of that female energy (laughs) happening. All right. Sorry. We love Peyton so much. I I brought four events and I, I really love three of the four events. I'm like super tempted by them. Okay. So we're going to start with... The North Glen Food Truck Festival, which runs all weekend, mm-hmm. Friday through Sunday. This sounds so fun, and it's like right by where my mom lives, so I would love Take to go. Out. Yeah, it's one of the largest food truck festivals, if not the largest in the state, where more than 62 local food truck vendors show up. And then there's like the whole carnival setup. So there's like oh. rides and games and activities. Um, and I think this is like, they've done it like, I think this might be sixth year, if I'm remembering correctly, but it just, Sounds really fun. I also I like any reason to go to another part of the yeah. metro area that I maybe haven't been in a while. And I gotta I say, I'm not in part North of Glen it for me. Time, so. I think I think that's a big part of it for me. Is like my mom grew up in North Glen. That's where she lives now. Um, I don't know. So there's just like some nostalgia there. So that yeah. sounds really cool. Make sure you wear your stretchy jeans. Oh, oh yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike Peyton and I, who both wore real pants today. I know. To the office. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> I um. I have to share this short anecdote from this week. Bree and I were at the mayor's office earlier to do an interview, which is going to hopefully you all hear soon. It was very interesting. Um, but the mayor told this story about food trucks because Civic Center Eats was going on. I was like, do you ever go out there? Oh, yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, I love food trucks, love food trucks. Um, you know, the best thing to do with those food trucks, you can call them up and you can ask, like, will you uh, will you make some dinner for my friend and drop it off? He says that he sometimes calls food trucks and like orders dinners for people as gifts and the food truck shows up. At first I thought he was just saying I get food from the Cajun food truck and take it to my like relatives when they're not feeling good. But no, he meant he has the that food has truck to be drive. It's a mayor's perk. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, I don't think I can call I kind of loved it though. I was like, if it's I was a baller mayor, move. It so is. Mayor, I would also do that. Move. Why not? Yeah. It's a perk. It's the coolest thing that I've heard cool. from Mayor Hancock in so long. <laughs> I, I mean, like that. He might not be just calling in the mayor privileges, you know, he might be just spending a lot of money and making it worth their while. And that's fine. 
Yeah. All right. Yep. Well, I'll try and call a food truck this weekend and let you guys know how it goes. Yeah. See if they show up. Yeah. Okay. Next thing, the Colfax Marathon happening mm. this weekend. Like the biggest <laughs> running like event his seat as in the, the Rocky Mountains. Runner in yeah. this group. This is the one event of the four that I. Will not Won't be. attend. I'm not a runner. <laughs> it does. I will say though, it does sound fun. So there's eight different races that you can participate oh. in. So it's not. So there's like, like a five k, a ten k. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's like, I don't know. I saw there's like the urban run, and that has like paths that like go through the zoo and stuff. Um, it does sound cool if you're well, into and, that sort and you of don't thing. have to be a runner. You know, being a spectator is fun. Being on the sidelines. Oh and encouraging people to keep going you can do it it's your race you got it you know that kind of stuff is so exhilarating yeah as, good as energy spe- yeah 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 if anyone wants to come and cheer me on on my morning runs i'm typically out on monday wednesday <laughs> friday <laughs> the highland canal trail southeast denver the tall blonde guy yeah if you want to give me a <laughs> cup of water or a gatorade i would love that joanne's gonna come park it with the lawn chair yeah go paul go paul oh wait he's gone well that's it that's, that's it okay. is that something that like appeals to either of you guys brie paul mm. the- Colfax appeals to me. Yeah. The, the marathon appeals just to me. Just going for the, just going. For the energy. Yeah, just to yeah. feel good about, you know, encouraging people. That, yeah. That's always a, a good feeling. I'd imagine there's probably some, like, fun little side events and things going on that are... It's on, it's on Colfax. Wow, yeah. you're, you're yeah. yawning no, at sorry. it. You're not gonna, you're <laughs> not gonna do the Colfax no. marathon. Okay. For, for All right, so sorry, that one wasn't super I'm exciting. Um, <clears throat> Sun Valley Night Market. Saturday night. Yeah, it's back. I didn't go last year. It seems like it's so much fun. Happens in the evening. All of the, you know, chefs, artists, entertainers, vendors in Sun Valley community come together and celebrate culture. And it sounds so cool. My friends, the Rare Birds, are performing at that. Oh. My good friends, Kia and Coco. Very (gasps) cool. Oh. This sounds so fun. I also am just like, I'm a Sun Valley stan. I love it over there. I think it's a great neighborhood. It's a, it's a good event. I went to one last year. It was a really fun time. Very cool vibe underneath this viaduct. It's right across from uh, Meow Wolf if you want to make a day of it. Rice is brewing right there. It's one of our favorites. Oh, we talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. We do. Um, it is great. Um, but yeah, fun event. God, That's a good I've only passed that area. I've never actually been there. Oh, you should go for this, Joy. Okay. It's so good. And like, um, what's really funny is they painted the viaduct. They had an artist paint the viaduct. And yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. whatever. It like changes the whole experience. 100%. You're huh. like, why don't we paint all under the sides of highways? <laughs> yeah, like, we should. It's, it's beautiful. So, okay. I'm cool. into that. Like that one. And then the last one is Taste of Yoga happening this Sunday at Breckenridge Brewery in Littleton. And for $44, you can go in and um, there's like six back-to-back half-hour yoga classes that you can pick from. So, I don't know if any of you guys huh. are into yoga. I'm really into yoga, so I think this sounds really fun. So, I think for the $44, you can go in and you could like theoretically do all six classes if you wanted but they're like they're different kinds so there's like vinyasa and then there's like strength yoga i don't know i think it sounds really cool and then there's um afterwards there's like health and wellness vendors on site and then there's light bites and brews from breckenridge brewery obviously this is like totally up my alley Mm -hmm. don't know if if you guys are into (laughs) that kind of thing but i think this sounds so fun will there be hot yoga I doubt it. I don't think it's so such because a temperature specific room temperature. Yeah, thing I oh, see, that's the only reason I'd go because I, you know, would do the 
Yeah. <laughs> you prefer hot yoga? Oh yeah, I do too. Sure. Yeah. Wait, what's, right. What are you saying uh-huh. right now? No, you <laughs> oh. I've never done yoga. I used to be a hot yoga. It was a, it was such a fad. I remember along with jazzercise and a few other things. Also did back in the day. Yeah. Did you? Oh yeah. Didn't what do haven't you that? done? I I was an exercise fanatic. Okay. So I okay. like doing different exercises, but I gotta say I don't really um. care for that one. All right, so we got. We I got have a, you know where I'm going to go. I think you guys should pick because I'm such a West Side supporter. You're feeling no, we no, we need to know what you what I you think. I always want to do anything in my neighborhood, so Sun Valley is where I'm at. Okay. I know what I I know what my vote is. Or North Glen, I would say <gasps> the food North truck. Glen Food Truck mm. Festival. That would be my. That other. sounds so fun. That one does sound great too. Joanne, between those two, do you have a preference? North Glen. I kind of think that's yeah. where I'm at too. Actually, let's do it. We're going to the suburbs. Yes. Yeah. CityCast Denver field trip. And there you have it. That's our official CityCast Denver, maybe for your weekend. But there's way more where that came from. Peyton's got plenty more recommendations in our newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can subscribe to right now by texting Denver 66866. Uh, Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Joanne. Thank you. It was fun as per usual. This this was especially <laughs> interesting one, I thought. Yeah. Anyway, see, yeah. Y'all, see y'all next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were Paul Caroli and AK Outmoopman. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter. And I'm Bree Davies, your host. Our music is by Los Mocochetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CityCast Denver and tell a friend about us next time you see them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866 and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week. Love being uninformed about something as large and culturally monumental as The Office.